and welcome to the February 2023 episode of the Waterlog Podcast. My name is Dan Janolfi. And my name is Howard Marlowe. Thanks very much for tuning in, and thanks again to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today for hosting us. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about, uh, we'll give, start off by giving you a brief update of uh, what's going on in Congress. It's been a bit of a slow start, but there's some good things coming. And then we're going to talk about a proposed rule on PL 8499, uh, which is an emergency authority for a variety of federal agencies, and we're going to be focusing on the Corps of Engineers. Let's get started. So, Howard, give us a brief update on Congress. What's going on there? Well, the House has gotten underway. Uh, As we talk, there's a bill being voted on with 33 amendments to it. So uh, they've passed legislation, including actually two coastal bills uh, by the delegate from Puerto Rico. uh, Those bills actually make post-disaster process more transparent, more organized. So you have a lot of federal agencies that come in post-disaster and you have to make applications to different agencies, let's say if your home is damaged, whatever it may be, and uh, her bill basically tries to create some transparency and coordination out of that. So, you know, props uh, for getting that passed. We'll see what happens on the Senate side because the Senate has yet to get its committees organized to a large extent, in fact, entirely, because the Republicans have not decided who is going to sit on committees. You know, committees uh, get divided up between Democrats and Republicans on a ratio that's roughly parallel to uh, their ratio of members in the Senate. So uh, the ratio is really easy because it's very close. Uh, There's probably going to be one more Democrat on the committee, on committees last year. In the last Congress, they actually divided evenly which is why many committees were not able to pass anything. This committee, uh, this session of Congress and next session, uh, the sessions are one year long, uh, they're going to be able to have committees operate, but the Republicans have not named their members yet. So committees can't do business until they do. Uh, We're hopeful by the time you hear this that uh, that will be uh, taken care of. And uh, we're going to see and for coastal interests, on the Appropriations Committee, uh, there's no, there's a change of committee chair because uh, Senator Leahy uh, retired, and he's replaced by uh, Patty Murray, Senator from the state of Washington. Um, we've dealt with her since the 1990s. She's been very good on uh, issues that are related to the coast. We would expect, although they haven't done their uh, subcommittees yet, we'd expect Senator Feinstein to continue as the uh, Appropriations uh, Subcommittee Chair handling the Corps of Engineers. Subcommittees haven't been worked out on the House side, so we'll talk about that in the next podcast. Yeah, it's been a bit of a slow start, but um, one thing we do have on the very near horizon is the President's budget, which is usually expected out uh, around February 6th, which is the first Monday of February. And we'll be able to see any court projects that have been included in the president's budget. Um, and that usually actually kicks off the federal appropriations process. And then 
members begin to solicit requests from their constituents and local governments and and other groups for things like earmarks, which we've been uh, giving a lot of attention to recently. So on our next podcast, we'll certainly be covering some of that. But let's jump into PL 8499 and discuss that in a little more detail. Now, if you've if you live near a beach or have had a federal project that has ever been damaged by either a storm or a significant weather event, flood, hurricane, tornado, whatever it might be, and not this doesn't just go for core projects. This is many federal agencies. PL eighty four ninety nine is going to be the program and the uh, the authority that really gives the agency uh, the ability to respond. Absolutely, because. FEMA does not repair, let's say, federal beach projects, federal port projects, whatever they may be. As long as they are core projects, FEMA will not repair them uh, because that wasn't the desire of Congress back in the 1940s. They set up a separate authority for the Corps of Engineers, and they created what they called a fund, an emergency fund to respond to natural disasters. And that we we know that is PL eighty four ninety nine, uh, and eighty four refers to the Congress, knowing that we're in Congress one eighteen right now. You can tell it was a long time ago, and uh, the law has been amended over the years in various ways. It's kind of a hodgepodge. However, the core has regulations, and non federal sponsors of let's say coastal projects. Coastal dam, coastal storm reduction management. How have I got coastal that storm risk management? Thank coastal you. storm damage reduction. The core and the con- core and Congress use various acronyms for it. It really means shore protection, shore protection beach, beach nourishment. Beach nourishment are the terms that I prefer to use. Absolutely. Um, but those of you who've been in communities who have been hit by storms, uh, you know that. Uh, Basically, there is a process of eligibility. You don't automatically it, it get uh, PL 8499 funds for a couple of reasons. One, eligibility of the project. How much was damaged? How serious was the damage? And two, there is no fund. Although Congress established the fund. And they talk about the fund. It, they talk, do talk about the fund. There is no PL 8499 fund per se, except if there's money left over from previous storms that somehow didn't get expended. That money is only there after Congress appropriates. Exactly. So even after Sandy, Superstorm Sandy, it took Congress a pleasantly long time to get around to appropriating, and then they went through, I believe, three versions of, three iterations of different levels of uh, appropriations, including uh, 8499. However, the important thing to understand here is basically that if your community has, whether it's a navigation project or whether it's a beach nourishment project and it's damaged, uh, it there is a letter that uh, comes to the community mayor. It says, you may be eligible, you can apply. And then you go through that. And if you're selected and said you're eligible, then Congress still has to appropriate money. Sometimes that can take up to a year for the Congress to do. So getting a repair is not necessarily easy. But the issue is it's under uh, regulations, and the Corps has proposed new regulations. The new regulations 
seek to clarify and knit together a lot of the amendments that Congress has passed, particularly over the last 20 years. And in many ways, they may succeed a little bit at doing that, but they unfortunately add something that Congress does not, has never authorized. They are now requiring that in order to be eligible, regardless of the level of damage um, that the project has incurred, let's keep on talking about beach projects, uh, the level, let's say, is 30%, which is the current level in the regulations. Uh, and the regulations currently say at least $1 million. And the proposal says $2 million. Uh, just to get the dredge there is going to cost you more than $2 million. So that's an easy one to meet. It but, excludes the immobilization cost, doesn't it? No. It does not? That's not. Okay. And so, you, therefore, you're, you know, you're eligible on the dollars end of it, but the issue is measuring, let's say, 30% of the damage. But let's, that's, that's a problem both with the existing regulations and the proposed regulation, and uh, we have our gripes about that. The main issue, though, is that let's say no problem on 30%, no problem on the one or two million, we are going to require you to show that you have taken action to reduce risk on that project. And we're not going to define what you ought to do or how we're going to measure it. That is the proposed rule in a nutshell. And they go through a variety of ways of saying, we want you to reduce risk, which is a very good idea, but it's not part of the disaster recovery program. Well, another you know another twist here is that these contracts that are signed by local governments are fifty-year contracts. It's not like you're in you know your car or business insurance where they you know they come back and they you do an audit each year and they try to see what's changed. You sign this agreement, and then it doesn't change for fifty years. So to sort of now propose these things when you're 5, 10, 15, 20, or even 40 years into your contract. Basically, is... go, even going beyond that, there is an operation and maintenance manual that comes with your new car, with your federal project that you agree to. It's part of that agreement you just talked about. You agree to maintain that project in a way of making sure that people aren't walking on the dunes and doing things uh, that you're going to plant grass, that you're going to do a variety of things like that. Basic things to make sure that damage is not done intentionally or unintentionally to the project. This, in essence, adds an additional set of requirements that are totally subjective, that are not specified in the proposed regulation to reduce risk. That somehow you've taken action in your community to reduce risk. And frankly, many coastal communities are already doing that. They are. But the issue is to require something, one that is totally unspecified. It's totally subjective. It's an unfunded federal mandate. If somebody says, oh, we want to show that you have made sure that all the homes or all new construction is at uh, FEMA level plus two or something like that. Well, again, whatever actions you've taken on your own have been smart, but now you're going to have Uncle Sam coming in and saying, well, let's decide if they're smart. Let's decide if they're enough. 
and potentially denying some form of assistance or reducing the amount of assistance exactly. based on the fact that perhaps residents have not taken action to raise their homes, which is an expensive operation. Oh, you're talking about thirty, forty thousand 40000 at least? That was 2012, right? Yeah. You know, following Sandy. I mean, it can easily cost fifty dollars to $100,000 to do you know, yeah, significant because, renovations yeah. that are required to meet new standards. And one of the things we've talked about on here is the community rating, community rating system, which is one of the NFIPs, National Flood Insurance Programs, sort of incentive programs to get communities... Uh, to be more resilient if you take certain actions like raising your homes, raising roads, in essence reducing your flood risk, you actually save on your NFIP premiums. A lot of communities, particularly ones in New Jersey and, and you know, th really th throughout the coast have, have taken those steps. There are, they're already doing things to reduce their risk, but that's not the point here. The point is that you could be punished for something that's really not in your contract. It's not in the contract and it's not specified in the rule as to what the standard is. So the position we've taken in, in, in Warwick Group, uh, our firm's filing in response to this, is that uh, this is, it, it has to be rejected out of hand. It's totally unreasonable. It's totally beyond the scope that Congress in any of its amendments has ever thought about in Public Law 8499. There, it, it is a post-disaster response and recovery measure. It is not a risk reduction measure. Federal government wants to get into risk reduction requirements. Again, I would argue that they should not be unfunded mandates. The Congress and the federal government entirely has to be providing funds. Let's mention one other thing which any risk reduction rule should make clear. When you have a storm and uh, it's knocked your dunes down or cut them in half or whatever. I know our clients say what they want to do is not only get the dunes restored, but in many cases get them raised. Because when they were designed 20 or 30 years ago by the Corps, you, they were designed to standards then. They were designed to what we understood storm levels to be and storm strengths to be. It's not the case. And what's happening now, and it certainly is not the case with what's going to be happening over the next 20 years or so. The length of those, the life of our, uh, our beach nourishment project, which is totally 50 years. What the rules should specifically allow is for sand. You can take the same quantity of sand in many cases and apply it, some of that sand, to increasing dune height without having to get permission from anybody up the line other than the local district saying, yeah, this is a smart move. You want to talk risk, risk reduction? This is a smart one. Does it cost any money? Are we going to need a little more sand? That would add money to it. Will you cost share that? And I'll tell you that each, I know each of our clients, and I'll bet you every community would say they'd be happy to cost share that because dunes are actually the least expensive part of a beach nourishment project and probably the most important. So those are our comments about uh, that we filed on uh, this rule and we'll have more to report as the process goes along. Comment period is ending in a few days. That's all we've got for today, but again, we'll be back in March and we'll be able to cover a little bit more on the president's budget and what we see happening with appropriations. 
coming up for FY24. So we'll look forward to talking with you then. And until then, enjoy. Bye-bye.